0: So we're back. (laughs) It's Cordy's favorite open. So we're here with Brian Setzer of the RPK Group. Uh, Welcome, Brian. Good morning. Welcome,
1: Viggo. Yeah, good morning.
0: So my first question for you is uh, what does your group do, actually? I see you're involved with higher ed a lot. Uh, If you could just explain a little bit about that.
2: Sure. RPK Group um, helps create and develop business models of the future for higher ed. Work over the last uh, six years, in particular, has been focused on higher ed. But with my arrival, we've also branched out to the blurred lines of early colleges, mm-hmm. uh, certainly charter and institutional business models, and organizations across the country in education. So the group is going through a bit of a pivot around helping educational organizations develop the sustainable business models of the future. And a lot of times in education, People think, well, business model isn't that you go to the Capitol and you wear red and you demand more money from the legislation. (laughs) No, that's not a business model. (laughs) So, part of it is figuring out the mix of your grants, your per pupil expenditures, how you're going to do your staffing. And with a lot of the investment from foundations and other entities in our space, we want to make sure you resources get to children and get to educators, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we're not very good at the return on investment in education. So mm-hmm. if we're going to expend resources, how do we design for that? How do we connect it to your academic model or your staffing models? That's a piece that's often missing when we look at sustaining a lot of the organizations that'll be at the conference. All right.
0: So I'm thinking, if you said you were trying to have those, get those blurred lines between early college and college mm-hmm. now, so how are you helping more of the, the K-12 part do some of that? In, um, are, are you dealing with public schools or, or private charter schools? or All. all um,
2: with revenue models dwindling in 26 of you know, 32 states in yep. the last sort of... Uh, latest analysis in our main states sort of stabilizing or remaining equal. Mm -hmm. People have less resources to do more of what they need. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we'll come into a charter or we'll come into a charter management organization, maybe a private uh, consortium or a public school consortium and say, okay, how can you think differently about the design of staffing? That's always the biggest resource drain. And what you find out is that The minute you start having that conversation, people are like, oh, you're going to cut people. No, Uh we're going to look at stop hiring 10 more people to do similar jobs. Let's think about leveraging the power of technology. Let's think about using flexible staff like teacher assistants and people that can come in in a, a volunteer aspect. Or let's think about... How we utilize different times of day to provide the same service mm-hmm. so when you're looking at the academic model across time talent and tech there's a lot of investment decisions you make with your resources mm-hmm. that really need to be smart or it's hard to scale your model so if you think about a lot of the charter management organizations that'll be represented at this conference there's very few that have ever scaled beyond three schools yeah So how can we think about shared efficiencies and learning from folks like New Tech Network or KIPP or others that have been able to scale their models in a very different way?
1: Right. So what are some of the, well, I guess I have a few questions. I'm like, let's start here. So how does an organization come to work with you?
2: Sure, well, I had a longstanding relationship with RPK. I've been in the sector a long time and um, what I would typically do is I would be involved in the design side of a new model. So a lot of the uh, industry uh, publications have talked about some of the prizes given out by XQ, or you saw mm-hmm. recently the almost $2 billion investment that Gates is gonna make on schools and school networks. Right. Okay, let, let's start there. Yeah. Lots of people will start with their pitch idea about what's gonna be different about their academic model or they start to think about, okay, you know, this is what we're gonna do with technology. It's the stuff or the people, but it's not really the strategic design around the resources. People say, oh, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Mm-hmm. Actually, <laughs> you need to have a vision up front. Right. And you need to think about what are the skills you want to empower people with making the decisions. Right. Okay. Then I think where you want to kind of go is how do you incentivize that journey? So set milestones, targets, just like any healthy organization would. Look at your resources differently and create an action plan. So school districts that are thoughtful around this on shared efficiencies sort of in the rural uh, American space uh-huh. often share staff, often yes. share technology. Yes. Well, well, maybe we ought to apply that same methodology to school districts that are thriving, some that are in the middle in terms of resources. So to get back to your question, they often come to us when they're they're considering that new money and there's been an infusion of capital and they're trying to think about, okay, what do I do with all this and how do I make three-year investments or five-year investments Mm. in our children, our community, our educators? Or, uh, frankly, they come to us when they're in trouble because they can no longer sustain their enterprises or they need to look at spending and costs differently Uh, and need to think about it from a turnaround perspective or you know, reframing their vision, maybe they're scaling down or up or in a different way.
1: Yeah. So how do you, I think this is fascinating. It's like, you're kind of like the financial planner for a whole right. district or an organization. And I think it's actually a really important need that maybe a lot of people don't even realize they need right until right. it's too late. So
0: that's, that's funny. That's exactly what I was just <laughs> thinking you're as like, you were talking. I'm oh. like, oh, <laughs> this is all really maybe impressive. Maybe we need that. Exactly.
1: Um, so in education and i'm sure you can identify with what i'm about to say like people that work in education tend to be very more like nurturing caring focused on the the learners and the kids and right and that's always kind of like you said you know oh you're coming you're going to cut positions so how do you frame your message and your work with people so that they understand how what you're saying connects ultimately to the to the learner at the end of the day. Sure,
2: that's a great question. Um, one is I've sat in every chair. So when I'm talking to you, I've been a teacher, assistant principal, principal, assistant superintendent, CEO of a virtual school, designer, and now on the strategic finance and innovation side, helping people make business decisions. Yeah. There's not a chair in the space, higher ed, professor, and also serve higher ed institutions now. Yeah. That I can't talk about from the standpoint of I know your challenges, I know your in-game or on academic outcomes, caring about children, right. partnerships, I know how you think about success as defined by you know qualitative inputs of students doing well, mm-hmm. and parent letters and all of that. But here's the thing. First of all, we talk through a design and discover process that is really around a shared future vision. What do you want for children? What do you want for your community? So it's in districts or charters or private's best interest to be able to communicate to their community, here's where we're going with a shared future vision.
0: And in that shared
2: future vision, they can talk about things for children like, you know, we're gonna graduate 100% of our kids in the next three years. Now a lot of people say, well, that's crazy. What kind of metric is that? People are actually doing that across the country and Mm -hmm. setting metrics and targets to make that happen. Okay, so when you work backward from that shared future vision, (laughs) then it's about managing change. Because people, to your point, are going to think in terms of you're trying to privatize this, or you're trying to make this a business process. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you seen the size of budgets of a lot of medium to large school districts? at least they're running an economic enterprise, if they don't want to call it a business. Mm -hmm. And so... It's a good rebranding. Taxpayers are sitting there going, now wait a minute, this is over a $300 million entity or enterprise, and we're 90th in the state in academic performance? Well, that's unacceptable to everybody. So when you go in, we often do an assessment, an opportunity assessment of where they are Mm -hmm. and look for opportunities for them to make decisions around return on investment. Now I'll give you an easy one. You can go to any high school athletic program in the country and you can ask them a question. Do you want a $10 million football stadium or do you want to focus on academics? Now, interesting, two questions, okay. Now, you want to talk about managing cultural change, that's one. Mm-hmm. because what do you value and say you care about and what are you actually spending resources on? Mm-hmm. Well, we know in the Northeast, they're sharing football stadiums, they're sharing basketball gyms. Yep. Shouldn't we be doing that in other parts of the country if we truly value academics? Uh-huh. So that's my very candid way of saying We've got a lot of hypocrisy when it comes to what we say we value.
1: Absolutely. We get, that right. Absolutely. <laughs> get
0: that right. So one of my questions... Um, one would be i guess you're talking about about the the way you look at your resources is it's pretty much everything's on the table so is it the point to cut you said it wasn't to to, to like cut people but just to make everything more efficient so let's say i have a 30 million school 30 million dollar school budget and that's my money Mm -hmm. would you be able to help us Use that $30 million more efficiently, so maybe it's, it's bringing in more things, or are you looking like, okay, well, we have inefficiencies here, here, and here. You don't need those anymore. You can get rid of them, and now you've got a $28 million school budget.
2: Yeah, great question. So show of virtual hands, both in the room and people listening on the podcast.
0: <laughs> Love it. How many
2: think that there are school systems doing better with less money than you have? And I ask this question uh, around the country, yeah. people raise their hand and they'll I'm say, sure there are. Yeah. And then I ask the, the flip, how many of you think there's people with way more resources doing worse than you? Hands go up again. So when you answer those two questions, here's a couple of points to yours. We look at return on investment, which is a business term, but an important term. And here's the thing, every family in America looks at return on investment mm-hmm. through Yelp, TripAdvisor, any app to rate their experience or what they're gonna get out of it for their family. It's like schools lose their mind around this term. Return on investment, three ways we look at it. A holistic understanding of resources. If I go into a school district or charter management organization and go, I've got $50,000 to give you, where are you gonna put it? It is shocking, the people who can't answer that question. Well, I guess we'll buy some technology. No, 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 there's no no guess. Where are you gonna put it? So they don't have a full assessment of where they're spending their money now. Mm-hmm. That's an important thing. Because when you look across courses, course load, you look at the way devices are being used or optimized, some of the data teams we've got here at IMA call through Learn Trials out of North Carolina, where I'm from, they're doing assessments of whole states and learning that less than 25% of software is being utilized. That's not good. So holistic understanding of resources, where are you spending your money, Second, a focus on unit cost. So let me tell you what I mean by unit cost. Um, I worked for Iredell Statesville, former um, commissioner of education, Terry Holliday. He was my superintendent when I was assistant superintendent. Out of 115 school districts in North Carolina, he was rated 111th on ability to finance the kind of reform he was trying, okay? Day-to-day, serving kids, etc. He was rated 7th on all academic indicators. So how is he that lowly resourced, but achieving more than most people? Well, he's focusing on unit cost. What does it cost me to run these services, and do I truly know? Mm. Can I do different things with digital resources instead of physical resources? Can I rent the facilities differently than the way I'm using them now? Can I share them? I don't think principals, leaders, CMOs are trained to be MBAs, and they shouldn't be. That's why they need help yeah. in that work. Right. And the last part of your question would be all of those metrics point to student success. So if your goal is academic and you want to graduate X, if you want to reach certain common core indicators, if you're a private school and you just want a different set of you know, academic qualifications or competencies, whatever your academic metrics are, that's important. But you also need to be setting metrics around the type of organization you want to run. Well, how are you paying for staff? What are the goals there? How are you paying for technology? What are the goals there? So that you can have an effective and efficient organization too, and all of it ties back to student success. So we've got a lot of bloat in the industry. We've got a lot of people using dollars, not the wisest ways, and then they'll come up with, we need more money, more people to solve it. Well, that depends on what your return on investment has been. So we're using a new term called return on innovation. And how do you know that the innovation oh, I like right? that. that uh, that's good. <laughs> actually works. And this gets to your question about yeah. they're not going to love all these terms. Right. But if you ask them what's the return on your innovation, you ought to be able to show that there's been return academically, economically, from people, from stakeholders. And that's a part of the work we do.
1: What I absolutely love about what you're saying um, is that you started with you need to have a vision. Right. And so when we're talking about we spend most of our time in that other side, actually in the schools working with the adults and learners and not so much on the financial business side of things. Um, That's what we say, too, you know, if you're going to do anything with any kind of change in your school or district or even classroom, Mm -hmm. you need to start with where is it you want to go? And then that becomes your lens for all of the decision making. And I think that that's really great to hear that that's how you approach it too and that's how you encourage the schools you're working with um, and organizations you're working with to, to go that way too because it just that's it, it all fits together. It all, it all it fits, all fits, fits together. together which is nice. <laughs> so what's your favorite thing about working with education organizations?
2: Well I'm a uh, people feeder and energy person who Loves complex problems, always have. Yeah. I like to understand how it works, to take it apart, to redesign it, to help them build it. Um, in many ways, uh, playing Sherpa or guide Excellent. is something <laughs> yeah. that they often do. Mm-hmm. So I'm hired to do something very specific, and then all of a sudden I'm sort of their C team partner, right. <laughs> member that stays around because a lot of my work involves taking that vision and helping them with their strategic plan, right, and then helping them with the outcomes for their boards or the people that they care about in terms of uh, their community or their teachers or their students or their families. So there's different messaging around all of that. And I don't say messaging to be disingenuous. I say like language, jargon, yep. the way you move an agenda and get people mm-hmm. to embrace it, right? Yeah. So take, take something like Success Academies in New York City, regardless of Uh, the the rhetoric of people being successful or wanting to take shots or whatever, the reality is their academic outcomes are beating the entire state. So when you actually go there and visit and you look at their processes and Mm -hmm. what they do, they do few things exceptionally well. And that's a problem we have in the industry. We do lots of things at a level of some of them being okay, some of them being great, some of them being average, but they're very focused on the three to five of that vision. Yeah. And then monitoring that and making changes based on it. And that's a lot of how I provide advice. But right. I think that's the favorite part is getting to know the people, working with them, letting them know that this is empirically based, that you can take total quality management and Six Sigma and dimming all the way back to the fifties. This is not a new approach. Right. But it is a disciplined one and you need to do it a certain way.
0: Ryan, this has been a fascinating conversation. It really
1: has been yeah it's it's not often that we do kind of get a different perspective we need to be better at that Matt.
0: we do need to be better at that (laughs) the one part you mentioned a little while ago Courtney that that what Brian is talking about is a lot of the same things that we're talking about just focus on different things but I like how you said that it's just you know that if you focus on those three to five things and measure those and be really focused on those then you'll get really really good at and it it makes me think of what what we do in our districts and and, Mm. And what we talk about on the podcast all the time is you have to have that vision in those core pieces that you follow, and I like hearing that, that that's exactly what you, what you provide, and, and looking at it in a different way that we don't have any idea about that part of things. No,
1: but it makes complete sense.
0: It does make complete sense. It makes complete,
1: and I can actually see how for some teachers that don't, because we're not all the same, right? And so there are education professionals professionals who don't necessarily go to the touchy-feely nurturing side of things. Right. And I can see how this pr- perspective would actually draw them in.
0: Yeah. You're yeah, like, yeah
1: let's budget. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and that, that's what happens yeah.
2: in the K-12 and higher ed is you'll have faculty members who begin to say, you mean that now when we make decisions, yes. w- we understand, yes, it's your data. Like, I'm just setting up frameworks yeah. and constructs for you to use the PLCs you already have or the structures you already have around mm-hmm. communities of practice or network improvement communities to focus on your business side. And that doesn't have to be, you know, you can have teacher representatives on that. Absolutely. Family members, student members, you should have student members, yeah. have them understand how that works for the public good yeah. community. But oftentimes we enter through the CFO or the CAO or the superintendent who's looking first to make cuts and we wanna flip that to, a terrible decision is to cut everything five percent across the board, right? Because you 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 don't understand what your economic engines are. You might actually have some things happening
0: <laughs> that are causing you to be revenue neutral or positive. Don't cut those five percent. <laughs> right, right, so right. It's yeah. helping people have that conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. I know You guys have a busy day. So thank you. For no you. problem. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, nice thank you.